Welcome, you are listening to the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast, where you'll hear fun, relaxed, and inspirational interviews with people who are really living the dream. I'm Dawn Fleming, an attorney turned alchemist, and your host for the show, coming to you from the tropical island paradise of Isla Mujeres, Mexico. Listen to conversations with courageous souls who've stepped out of their comfort zone and designed a new way of life. They'll share their experiences, wisdom, and offer practical steps you can take to redesign your life overseas. Listen, and you'll believe if you can dream it, you can achieve it. I am here with my friend Ruth Lacey, and she's a snowbird here uh, in the wintertime, and home is in Vermont. And uh, thank you for taking a few minutes to talk with me today. I I'm glad to be here. <laughs> So uh, we were just chatting a little bit before we started the interview and you were talking about uh, your professional background and that you had all these different things mm -hmm. in, in your background that you've done. And um, so kind of tell us a little bit about that. Okay. We um, well, my, I mean, if we're going to start at college, my degree was in finance. So for the first couple of years out of college, I was a registered rep at Charles Schwab, so a stockbroker, but not selling as much as executing trades. So I did that for two years. And then because I am a child of the Silicon Valley in California, I ended up in a high tech firm, a, a computer software company. Um, and after five years with them, they transferred me to their European headquarters outside of London and worked there for a year and then left that job and worked for a Dutch software company outside of Amsterdam for another year and a half. In that period, met my husband, who's British. I decided I wanted to move back to the States. He wasn't interested in moving to California and we arbitrarily decided on Vermont because it's a, a beautiful place. Um, in Vermont, we bought, a la Bob Newhart, we bought a 14-room bed and breakfast inn. So I did the whole hospitality gig thing for six years. And then my final career after I left that was um, sports management. I was the marketing director uh, plus, uh, you know, chief bottle washer kind of thing for a show jumping event. So an equestrian show jumping event. Um, that took place in Vermont for six weeks out of the summer. Um, and to sort of segue to, to Isla, it was during that job that I started coming for the winter because um, my job was really centered in the summer on site. But in the winter, I was doing all the marketing and contract negotiations and a lot of admin-y things that needed to be done, and I just needed to have a phone and a you could do it from anywhere internet connection, which is why right. I just started coming to Isla. So, and anyway, when was this? When did you start coming? Uh, seasonally, this is my seventh winter. So, what does that make? Like two thousand? Okay, all right, fourteen or something, something like that. Thirteen, fourteen. Okay. I'd been here once before, but I recognized Isla Mujeres as a place that I could. Um, I think it was a finite ge geography, the contained nature of Isla, easy to get around, don't need a car, uh, because I didn't want to go someplace where I needed to rent a car for what's oh, now right. three and a half months. Um, so anyway, yeah, and I, I also sensed that there was a good community here. So uh, that's how I ended up here. And I was working um, the first five years that I did the snowbird thing, and now I am retired. 
<laughs> well, congratulations on Thank that. Thank you. So, um, so yeah, I actually didn't know that you had lived abroad for um, a yeah. pretty good good yeah. chunk of time when you were younger. Yeah. Um, take us back to that period in time. How? What was that like? Was it? Uh, were you excited? <sighs> were you scared? Were I was you... super scared. Uh, I can just remember getting on that flight in San Francisco and flying to Heathrow, and I was 29 years old, and I thought, Oh my, what have I done? What I and I was only on a year contract. Okay. But I still thought. You know, I thought I'd probably not stay longer than a year, and in the end, I ended up actually some total. I was in Europe about three years, um, but my father had worked abroad, and I was raised uh, for six years in Switzerland as a small child. So I was raised in an environment where um, where you're supposed to take advantage of those opportunities. And I can remember when I got my contract to move to England, I showed it to my dad and you know we were talking about what I was going to make and he said I don't care what your salary is you just need to do that experience and I, I you know I still think that's probably the best advice he ever gave me because uh, I, it was life-changing I met my husband but it was also like the the people I met along the way and and the mindset of people who who travel or choose to live abroad are you know we're different people. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I still actually had a friend visiting me on Isla last week and she and I were fast friends during my year and a half in, in Amsterdam. And we have maintained that friendship for almost 30 years now. And she came down here from, she lives in Portland, Maine now, and she visited me on Isla just last week. So yeah, those are friendships that mean a lot to me. Yeah. And I've heard that before uh, from other people. Yeah. That have you find your tribe when you're working abroad. Even, you know, I was interested to figure, or I guess I was surprised when I moved to England because we don't have a language barrier. Some might argue that. <laughs> uh, but right. we do speak the same language, sort of. I was surprised how fish out of water I still felt. Um, I still felt very foreign. Um, it's sometimes hard to be an American abroad, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it, you find your tribe of like-minded people or people who are going through the same uh, situation or you know are foreign to a degree um, when you live abroad. So, did you find that um, you were congregating with other Americans that were living abroad, or was it mostly non? U.S. Um, you know, um, in England, I have very few American friends, uh, but I did sort of get a circle of British friends, and my husband, my now husband, was one of them. Um, in Amsterdam, when I was in Holland, it it was interesting because it was a Dutch company, but our working language was American English, and I was in in um, marketing, so that was great because. In England, I was edited all the time. My wiles became whilst and, you know, all that sort of English stuff. So in Holland, we were using American English. And my friends and colleagues in my department were from Canada, South Africa, uh, New Zealand. Um, where else? Well, they were, oh, England, Ireland. Uh, so there were all these English-speaking people um, but they were all also foreign. Right. So, and, and again, those people, like, I would say 70% of them are still people I'm in contact with to this oh, day, fabulous. almost 30 years later. That's so, amazing. Yeah, it's crazy. So, 
Awesome. Um, do you, you do you see them? Um, it's you know it's sort of a virtual thing. I okay. haven't seen any of them for probably except my friend who visited me just last week. Uh, the rest of them, I see them on social media. Sure, uh, and we keep in touch that way. Um, and so that's that's actually sort of interesting that. Um, maybe in another time, those friendships or those relationships would have gone by the wayside, but um, because we, of technology, yeah, yeah, so, you get to stay in yeah, touch. Isn't that cool? We see their lives. So, so okay. So, tell me about your your husband now, because obviously he <laughs> did an overseas life redesign. Yeah, he so. did. So he was a civil servant. He made maps in England, um, and I've always liked maps. And it's fun when you meet people who really like those tangible paper maps that of course have gone by the side and but there's still a strong contingent of people out there who love maps so he worked the only thing comparable in the u.s might be the usgs but not really it was the mapping agency of great britain um, and he had worked there 21 years when he and i fell in love and decided to get married and then i sprung this you know i'm ready to go back to the states on him so he had been a guy who had never really um, gone out there and had to look for a new job because he was a civil servant his entire working life, which is why we ended up um, buying a, a small, well, 14-room bed and breakfast inn in Vermont uh, because that way we essentially bought our job. Yeah, sure. Um, but, the, and the other thing is, anyone who knows him, his number one passion, probably above me even, is cycling. He loves to ride and all I knew of Vermont at that point was it was beautifully rural and cycling friendly. What I completely overlooked was that the winters are really, really long and hard. Uh, and that's coming from this California, California girl. girl. I was like, oh, it's so pretty. And oh my gosh, there's going to be fall colors. And, and then winter hit and I went, oh, I thought Holland and England was bad, but this is bad. Uh, so anyway, he loves he loves to ride, and yeah, he's retired also. He's a little older than I am, He's, but he is uh, a madman on that bicycle of his, and he's he literally is on the bike every day of the year. Last year, the only days he didn't ride his bike, we were on another Caribbean island that's not conducive uh, to cycling, and it was 12 days out of all of two at 2019 that he wasn't on his bike. Wow. Yeah, he's a bit of a freak. But Had he traveled much before not moving really. to the United States? Uh, he'd been to Ireland and he'd been to France and that's and Wales and Scotland. So this was a huge move for it him. It was huge. He'd been to the States two times with me before we moved, three times maybe. Um, he really but, loved yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he still feels very, very British. He only became a citizen. We've been in the States together uh, 28 years now. Um, and he became a citizen about four or five years ago, right before the last election. So he's still very British. So does he have dual? Is he yeah, he has dual. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So he did not renounce his okay. British citizenship. Uh, and anyone who knows him, he's very, very British. So. Did he get any kind of pushback from his family about this big move or anything? No, um, his mother was very sweet um, and she loved me the moment she met me because what she, her point of reference was uh, the, the American GIs during World War II um, coming sort of, you know, the, to help out. 
And so she had romanticized the whole American thing. So she thought, you know, like the minute she met me, all she wanted to tell me about was when she met, she was a nurse during World War II and she met, you know, a bunch of American GIs. And so I, while she never visited us in Vermont, um, she was really, really Very supportive. Ex- excited for Steve and her, his father did visit us two or three times. Okay. Three times, I think. Three times total. Yeah. In Vermont. They've both passed now, but. Okay. Yeah. And another complete aside, but we own their home in England. So not mm-hmm. only do we spend uh, three and a half months on Isla, but we spend, I spend a month in England every year. And Steve spends actually about almost three months in England every wow. year. Wow. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. So we have sort of the best of everything. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Cool deal. Um, well, awesome. Uh, I'm going to take a break right here and we'll be back in a moment. Isla Mujeres is a Caribbean jewel off the coast of Cancun. Castellito del Caribe warmly invites you to enjoy our spectacular oceanfront villa located in the heart of El Centro and a short walk to Playa Norte, which is ranked one of the top 10 beaches in the world. With an ocean view of crystal clear turquoise waters overlooking both the Caribbean and Cancun city skyline, we offer a fabulous location for you to enjoy all the peace and tranquility you're looking for on vacation, while also taking in all the excitement the island has to offer, with activities either in walking distance or a golf cart day excursion away. Please visit castellitocaribe.com, www.castellitocaribe.com. C-A-R-I-B-E dot com. We look forward to seeing you soon. Integrity Vacation Property Management. Trust, truth, results. From buyer's representative services to rental market analysis, staging, marketing, and full-service property management, achieving your goals is our top priority. Visit our website at www.integrityvpm.com and get our free guide, Self-Manage or Hire, a Property Owner's Checklist of Issues to Consider. Contact us for a free consultation to see if we can help you maximize the return on your investments. Integrity VPM, raising the bar in vacation property management. Okay, I'm back here with Ruth. Um, all right. So, wow, you got this amazing life. You've got Vermont beauty in the summertime <laughs> yeah. and you've got uh, Isla here in the winter. And then when are you in England? So we always go in September and that's just a bit of oh. a habit, um, which is double-edged sword because it's September is great in Vermont also. Uh, and I tease Steve that my next husband's going to be from New Zealand because I want someone from the Southern Hemisphere because then I can visit their homeland during our winter. Uh, but yeah, so we always go in September and we always uh, take one week out of our time in England to go uh, to somewhere, usually around the Mediterranean. Uh, we've been to Greece a handful of times and Croatia and Italy, etc. So um, so we like to travel in the fall a bit or early. Yeah, fall, right? so if you're based out of uh, yeah, it's England, super easy, it's easy to, to go yeah. to those places. Yeah, awesome. So um, we we talked a little bit beforehand too about you know one of the things people are interested in who are sort of fantasizing about this sort of lifestyle is like, gosh, how do you bankroll it? How mm-hmm. how do you mm-hmm. afford to have a lifestyle? Um, like that. Mm-hmm. So, can you give any insight on well, that? what you were <laughs> yeah, able to, and, how you were able to pull that off? 
the first thing, and we talked about this offline, is I have no children. So, (laughs) I mean, bankrolling something is much more affordable when you aren't putting kids through college. So that's one. And then Steve and I have always been frugal. My dad says I'm cheap. (laughs) Um, I like to say I'm value-oriented. Amen. Um, And sometimes we take value-orientedness to sort of like a challenge, like... I'm sure we can do this a more inexpensive way. Um, I mean, one of the things that's nice about Isla is it can still be quite affordable. Uh, I'm here three and a half months. Um, you know, it, it doesn't cost too much to be here. And I'm not heating my house in Vermont as much. I'm not driving a car. Uh, there's a whole slew of things I'm not doing back home that offset the expense of being here. Um, we're also in a position where we've paid off our mortgage, so we have no mortgage at home. So that, that, uh, helps. Um, and then going back to my very first job, I've always been a very, very active investor in the stock market. So I've, I've rolled through all the ups and downs and, um, and so far so good. (laughs) (laughs) And then, so the bed and breakfast, you, you bought that, you had the resources to um, yeah. purchase that business. Well, and that, how long did you have that? We had that, and we, we always get a laugh out of this, but we had it six years and two weeks. <laughs> and that speaks to like, it's a lot of work. Uh, yeah. uh, I mean, it was not uh, cerebral work. I found it very easy. The marketing, the admin of it, uh, Steve did all. You, you know, seem like you would enjoy the people too. I did. And Steve yeah. teases me that I knew like not just the names of all the kids of our guests, but I knew that they had a dog and two cats at home. And, and then the next time we'd see them, you know, I'd know all that. And, and actually when you're in the hospitality business, the joy of hospitality is when you start getting those repeat guests and you have a relationship. I found it very difficult in, initially and we were in a, we are in a ski resort town and um, so you start seeing people back every year and you build relationships and that's the fun part. Um, and now I forget what the question was. Oh, <laughs> we're just talking about the, you had the, you bought the business. Yeah. Oh, oh well that was, uh, quite honestly, I sold my post-war uh, 900 square foot house in the Silicon Valley and parlayed it into a 14,000 square foot and breakfast in in beautiful rural Vermont. Um, so you invested well in California. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I bought my first house when I was 24 with a boyfriend of mine. Um, I really think home ownership is the foundation of all of your personal finances. Um, and it's actually one, one of my fears for today's youth is like, especially in a place like the San Francisco Bay Area, it's in it's just incredibly difficult and I worry for the youth, but, um, and at the time, and I suppose to a certain extent still now real estate in Vermont was super affordable. So, um, we did buy a bank owned property that prior people had just walked off the property. The bed and Um, breakfast. Yeah. Oh wow. And we're not exactly sure what they paid, but we think we picked it up for less than half of what they had paid for it. Like wow. something like four or five years earlier. So, wow. um, but so my, timing had a lot timing was it. good. I also yeah. did really thorough uh, financial analysis on every property that I looked at, and uh, in that world, people buy into a dream and they don't sort of run numbers. 
I've noticed that. <laughs> yeah, they're like they just they just want the dream. Well, it's it's a lot of hard work. You're going to be changing beds and mm-hmm. you know cleaning toilets and stuff. Um, but I ran numbers on all of them, and it was the fact that this was bank owned, and it was a bit of a fire sale, if you will. Sure. Uh, that it was the only the numbers it was worked. the absolute only property where the numbers worked. And when we bought it from the bank, um, they held money in escrow in case we also went under and they wanted to see financial statements every quarter. And our first fiscal year wasn't a full year, but when we went at the end of the first fiscal year, we um, had a profit of 34 cents. That's not 34%, 34 cents. And the bank manager who was responsible for commercial lending was ecstatic because your first year you typically don't yeah, yeah you're, we were you're, making you're, some money you yes. know he wasn't gonna he didn't want to own the building again right so uh so we weren't in the red so yeah he was happy yeah, yeah and we were every single year we were in the black and uh although you know we didn't we didn't make tons of money in the end it was a uh the gains came in the real estate sale in the right end. but we lived off that business you know Paid the heat, paid, yeah, and paid all your because we lived on property, so everything. Yeah, so that was sort of a weird, you know, that was a career that I never saw coming. Did and you, did you really like think that out? That was obviously. I mean, if you looked at a lot of different properties, was that really the plan? Was was let's go buy a bed and breakfast, or were you just open to other businesses? Uh, or? No, that was the only business we were looking at. Okay, I think I figured I could do it. You know, there's it's not rocket science. You be nice to people, you serve them a good breakfast, you give them a clean environment, uh, you uh, communicate via confirmations. And that that was back in the olden days when I'd put confirmations in the mail. And like, I can remember like four years in, we got a website. (laughs) Right. But now it was before everyone has to weigh in and review you on everything. And I'm really glad I'm not in that business now. Yeah. Because that... Ugh, I didn't want that. Yeah, there's some pressure there, yeah. for sure. <laughs> yeah. But that's why we like the repeat guests. Too, yeah. Because you know yeah. they're happy. And, and the yeah. expectations are set. Yes, exactly. And, because, and I also think some businesses make a big error in setting high expectations. Yes. Set realistic expectations and then over-deliver. It's like Absolutely. business 101, people. Yes, for sure. You know? It's just for so, sure. Yeah. So, <laughs> but it was an interesting time of year. And we're still in the same community, even though we sold that, uh, gosh, it's 20... Two years ago, we wow. sold the property. And is it still a, uh, running yeah. as a bed and breakfast? There are right? three sets of owners on Since. from us. And they're actually, you'd be interested, they're lawyers from L.A. Ah, <laughs> see? Isn't that funny? Yeah. Living the dream. I always say, being practicing law. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Cool. So, okay. So, what did you do after that? So, after that, um, that's when I did this event management. So, oh, right. there was this equestrian event that took place in our small community. Um, and I knew the owners. And I got to know the event because I was on the giving end of a marketing program, which was give a, a room in your hotel uh, to this event, and then they would promote you. So, after we sold it, the owners of the event came to me and they said, hey, can you just go to all these innkeepers you now know and run this little marketing uh, plan for us or uh, program, mm-hmm. marketing program. So I went to all these people I knew and said, you know, give us a room, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and we did this reciprocal marketing uh, program with them. And then that morphed into more responsibilities every year. And in the end, I was, I was 
I didn't have the title. I had the title of marketing director, but I was essentially uh, the executive director of this event, which is the largest sporting event in the state of Vermont no based on prize money. It, the event took place over six um, six weeks every summer. Uh, we gave away a million and a half in prize money. Um, it was a private company, but it's a multi-million dollar business and no one, you know, people are like, whatever, it's a little dog and pony show. Right. But it's actually, it was <laughs> a big deal. It's a big, it was a big deal in Vermont. Yeah. Um, so I did that until two and a half years ago when okay. I finally decided I was ready to, uh, Well, you must have enjoyed it. I did. Again, yeah. that was, uh, you know, an annual event. It, uh-huh. I like the the cyclical nature of the the uh, relationships I had. As it happens, even to this day, some of my in guests were in guests from the event in our town. And then once I started working for the event, we sort of we morphed into like having a new and different relationship. But uh, the same people, pretty funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah, interesting. Well, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, is there anything I haven't asked you that mm. you care to share about uh, the lifestyle that you've been blessed to, to live and parting words of wisdom that you want to? Well, I guess, yeah, don't be afraid. You know, just do it. You know, I mean, I am really happy. Like when you describe me as a snowbird, I'm really happy that I'm not in Arizona or Florida. No, no offense to those, but I enjoy the fact that we're in a place that has a different culture. Um, and yeah, just, I, I enjoy my time in Mexico. I love the Mexican people. Um, uh, well, you travel while you're here too. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Not enough. I need to explore more of Mexico actually, but. Oh, I know one thing I would love for you to share if, if you're uh, willing is you want to talk a little bit about your mission work? Yeah. 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 So last year, uh, this month, uh, while I was on Isla, I went on a medical mission to Guatemala and I went after two of my lifelong friends, both of whom are MDs, uh, had been going for years and they suggested to uh, me and some other of our friends that there were non-medical jobs. And uh, one of the things that I love about being retired is that there's always times available to you to do something good for humanity. Um, so last March, I went on my first medical, medical mission to Guatemala. I was a pharmacy assistant, um, which just basically means I looked count at the pills. scripts and I, <laughs> I was like, do I have to count in Spanish? Uno, dos, tres. Um, but oh, actually everything was already sort of pre-counted. So unless a script was a little bit unusual, you didn't even have to do, do that. that. You just have to grab the right script or the right drug. And I worked for real pharmacists who a couple of times were like, Ruth, you know, grab the such and such and oh. we needed the such and such. And you know, these are life and death situations. Right. But I had a great time and, and much like um, the people of Mexico, the Guatemalans are proud and kind and beautiful and um, where we were incredibly poor and didn't have access to medical care. Um, so anyway, I've signed up to do another week and this year we're going in November uh, and we're going to a different region in Guatemala. So I'm excited about that. Um, yeah. And I will be in the pharmacy again. And hopefully this time I won't pull the wrong <laughs> drugs anytime. <laughs> but yeah, the, the pharmacist I worked for, he's like, this is why I'm here. It's okay. You know, don't knock yourself out over it. Right. Um, 
So yeah, so I do that at home. I give platelets. Um, I do a couple nonprofit things here. I do the music fest for the the school uh, for um, the little yellow schoolhouse. Little yellow schoolhouse for uh, right. disabled children. Yeah, thank you. Um, and I work for a marathon in in Vermont, and I do fundraisers for our performing arts center at home in Vermont. So I like to I have so much time now. I just like to find things to keep me busy. So, yeah. Well, good for you. Yeah, that sounds awesome. That it, uh, sounds like you really have been able to design the life of your dreams. Yeah, I think so. We'll find out. I still have some life left. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Ruth. Thank Lacey. you, Don. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk okay. with us. This episode of the Overseas Life Redesign podcast was brought to you by our sponsors. Thanks for tuning in. Did you love this episode of the Overseas Life Redesign podcast? Then please subscribe to our show and leave us a nice review. It's very much appreciated. We invite you to visit www.overseasliferedesign.com and take the Are You Ready for an Overseas Life Relocation Readiness Quiz. We'd also love for you to become part of our OLR community on Facebook. Thank you for listening.